see. But here, the author of Hebrews asserts that in order to truly see, we must first believe. When we face difficult times, there are so many things that we could put our faith in looking for hope. But for the Christian, there is substantial reason for hope in this life and in the life to come because of the promises of God's Word. Hard times come, and the world looks all over for that hope, but we find ours in Christ. The issue of faith was important to the writer of Hebrews because of the rising storm of persecution that was about to fall on the church. He knew that the key to survival was a solid faith and an attendant hope. Faith produces hope, and hope produces perseverance. If we don't have faith, then we will inevitably shrink back. And with this understood, Hebrews launches into an eloquent song of faith, beginning with a brief but massively important description of what faith is right here in verses 1 through 3. So let's read that. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for the chance to be able to come and to worship you Uh, to gather and hear your word preached. God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word this morning. And God, as we come and we approach this passage, as we look at what biblical faith is, God, I pray that you speak through me, that you help us to see the context of this passage's original audience, but also to see how this impacts our lives today. Um, God, as Charles Spurgeon would pray before every sermon that he preached, he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that this morning. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and God, I pray that you speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we take up verses 1 through 3 in this theme of what faith is, we must keep in mind that this is not an exhaustive definition. This is a description of a faith that perseveres, a faith that lasts. And so here we look at three aspects of faith. Really, we have one in each of the three verses. First is faith's character. Then we see faith's activism. And lastly, we see faith's understanding. And so the first is in verse 1. It is faith's character. The character of faith is spelled out with great care in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so to put faith's character into one word, it would be certitude, a dynamic certainty about what God has promised. It's not a feeling. It's not optimism or self-willing things to happen. Having faith in faith, it's pointless. I could have all the faith in the world. It's, this is something I've said to the youth all the time. I could have all the faith in the world that I'm going to grow to be 5'7". And back in middle school and high school, I really had that faith. That was a low goal. 
I did not reach it, and I did not come close. I could have faith like crazy that that's going to happen. It's not happening. I'm fine with it now. (laughs) But true faith, true faith is neither brainless, nor is it a sentimental feeling. It is a solid conviction resting on God's words that makes the future present and the invisible seen. Faith has at its core a massive sense of certainty, even if our faith is in something that we haven't seen with our own eyes. And there are a lot of things that we believe in that we have not seen with our eyes. We believe in magnetic force, and we have magnets on our refrigerators. We've played with magnets as as children, maybe even as adults. We believe in that magnetic force. We see it at work. We believe in radio waves. With, with my dad working in radio for most of my life, he has told me all about how different radio waves work for AM radio and FM radio and how they move differently. The existence of radio waves provided for my family growing up. I definitely believe in them. We believe in the wind, even though we haven't seen the wind. We see its effects. We see the leaves or the branches blowing we feel the wind. We see the evidence of it. A couple months ago, uh, we took a, a family trip after church. We went out and went to Brooklyn and Melody to the aquarium, and uh, we went out, and Lindsay just wanted to get one nice picture of our girls on the beach. And it was a windy day, and Brooklyn really loves sharks and and ocean life, and she's like watching documentaries about that stuff on it all the time. Well, it, the, w- the waves are breaking, and she is terrified, just, I mean, all out just having a complete meltdown because she has seen this on TV, and this is a hurricane, and we are not safe. <laughs> she saw the evidence of the wind blowing, and in, in a funny family moment, it terrified her <laughs> until we were able to convince her that it wasn't a hurricane. But we believe in the wind. We see its effects. Even more so, we see evidence of God. We can see God's creation. We can feel God's presence. We can feel His power. We can feel His love. I don't believe in God just because I hope He's real. I don't just believe in God because it would be such a cool idea if He was really there. I believe the evidence that's before me. That's faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what is the huge certainty of faith like? The first half of this verse expresses the future certitude that faith brings, saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word, assurance, is the translation of a single Greek noun, and that noun is hypostasios, and it literally means that which stands under, or foundation, hence the word substance. By defining faith as assurance and conviction, the author indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imagery and wishful thinking. Instead, Faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God, 
will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. So, biblical faith is not a blind trust in the face of contrary evidence. It is not an unknowable leap in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, and eternally trustworthy. The God who has revealed Himself in His Word and in the person of Jesus Christ who whose promises have proven true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake His own. Such faith in the unseen realities of God is emphasized throughout chapter 11 and has provided confidence and assurance to all who receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Faith grabs hold of what is hoped for as something real and substantial. Genuine faith, it it brings an assurance of what we hope for that is solid and and substantive. The solid certainty is about the future. It's what we hope for. And so we wonder, well, what, what are the things that we hope for as believers? Well, first, you know, we hope for Christ's return. Titus 2.13 tells us, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope for the resurrection because, as 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We hope for glorification. 1 John 3, 2 and 3 tell us, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. And we hope to reign with Him. Revelation 22, 5 tells us, for if we endure, or 2 Timothy 2, 12 says, for if we endure, we will also reign with Him. And then Revelation 22, 5 tells us, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Our faith gives us an inner certitude that the return of Christ, the resurrection, the glorification, a place in heaven, and a coming reign all become present to us. And because of that, we rejoice now. Think of the staying power that comes to a life where through faith, all of the above are present realities. Church history illustrates this as it records that in the early days of persecution, a humble Christian was brought before the judges. And he told them that nothing that they could do could shake him because he believed that if he were true to God, God would be true to him. And so the judge asked, do you really think that the like of you will go to God and His glory? And he responded, I do not think I know. The second half of verse 1 joins faith's future certitude to the visual certitude that comes through faith. Because faith means having the conviction of things not seen. The King James Version translates this to the evidence of things not seen. And these translations augment each other because the evidence by which a thing is proved brings conviction and certainty to the mind. 
Our faith is the organ by which we are enabled to see the invisible order and to see it with certainty, just as our eyes behold the physical world around us. And what do we see? We see the future because it is made present to us through faith. But we also see more, namely the invisible spiritual kingdom around us. Genesis 28 records how Jacob, on that miserable night where he fled from Esau into the wilderness, forlorn and alone, laid his weary head on a rock to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. In a flash, he saw what had been around him the whole time angelic commerce between heaven and earth on his behalf. That account records, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob saw the unseen spiritual order and that is what we see by faith. Faith brings visual certitude so that we have the conviction of things not seen. Now, we may have never seen a a flaming seraph or cherub or angel with our physical eyes, but we see them at work through our eyes of faith as God ministers to us, to our families, to our church, to His people. We don't serve a set-it-and-forget-it God who just set everything in on the earth and to, you know, whatever happens is going to happen and just steps away. We don't serve a God like that. He is at work in this world. Faith brings a dynamic dual certitude to everyday life. First, there is a future certitude as that which is to come becomes present to us. And second, there is a visual certitude as we see the invisible. And so here is the possibility that we must consider if we are serious about following Christ. It is possible by faith to live in future certitude, to be present at Christ's return, to be present at our resurrection and glorification, to be present in heaven and to reign with Him. And it is also possible by faith to live in visual certitude, in the supernatural, to see all the mountain flaming with light to see the traffic between heaven and earth on our behalf, to know with certainty that God is at work in this world. This is what our passage is calling us to. Just as Abraham, by faith, put his stock in the future heavenly country, and just as Moses saw him who was invisible, faith does not merely agree with God's Word. It doesn't just look at God's Word and say, say, this is right, and step away. Faith acts upon God's Word. This changes how we live. We see the world through an eternal lens. We know that God is at work in this world. We know that God is at work in us as His people, and faith anticipates the future. The faithful characters that are mentioned all throughout chapter 11 of Hebrews, they did not just simply live for the passing moment. They realized that there was far more to life than the immediate and temporary scene. They knew 
that there were better things ahead because in one way or another, God had told them so. And they preferred to believe that word rather than the flimsy promises and assurances of the world around them. And this is true for us as well. We are not to just uh, not just to believe the word of God. We are to act on it, to live our lives with eternity in mind. As as we go out from this place and we talk with our friends and with our family, as we do whatever it is that we do, to know that life is more than what is happening right here in this moment, because we live with the hope of eternity, and we do that by grace through faith in Christ. So, faith anticipates the future, but it also evaluates the present. It would be wrong to imagine that as believers, we don't care about our earthly lives. Of course we do. Sure, we look to the future, but we also look deeply at the present. An unbeliever without any clear faith often accepts things simply as they are. Our world tells us all the time, follow your heart. Do what makes you happy, often at the expense of others. As believers, we know how horrible that advice is. We know that our hearts are depraved. We know that we need Jesus. We need transformation. But the man or woman of faith, we possess the conviction of things not seen. We don't just look at our circumstances, we discern the activity of the invisible God in our present situation, and we are able to endure whatever it is that we are facing. And so, having given us faith's character in verse 1, the writer now calls to mind faith's activism in verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. All the ancients in Israel who received commendation from God, received it because of the character of their faith. Their faith's future certitude as as they were sure of what their hope was in, and their faith's visual certitude as they were certain of the invisible, that God was at work. This certitude produced a dynamic activism. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are talked about in this chapter in verse 34. They had nothing but God's word to rest on. They had no visible evidence that they would be delivered in this life, but they knew that they would ultimately be delivered, and they knew it so well that it was a present reality for them. Daniel 3, 16 to 18 tells us, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There was no evidence that any of them had ever seen the invisible world at work around them, but they did see it by faith, and we see right here they were certain of it. And graciously, God did let them see it with their physical eyes when He delivered them. 
And remember Nebuchadnezzar's astonished words as he watches the trio in the flaming furnace in verses 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The faith of the trio consisted simply in taking God at His word and living their lives accordingly. Future things, as far as their experience went, were present in their faith. Things unseen were visible to their individual eyes of faith. And so it goes for every example in the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. From Abel to Samuel to the unnamed heroes of the faith. And so it goes for us. By certain faith, we will endure in serving the Lord. And by certain faith, we will receive God's commendation. By exercising this kind of faith, the men of old gained that which matters most, the warm commendation of God. These elders received the word of God, and in different generations, they made their own response to its message, thus receiving divine approval. Without this kind of faith, We cannot please God, nor can we have the satisfaction of knowing that our life has divine favor. For the Christian, pleasing God is of the greatest possible importance. We don't set our heart on gaining human approval. That's dangerous. We long that at this present moment we are earning God's approval, and that in the end God will express it. We have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by our works. But as we receive that salvation, we want to turn around and serve Him. We want to glorify Him. And as we get to verse 3, we see faith's understanding. Faith not only makes the future promises present and unveils the unseen, it also enlightens our understanding of the cosmos. By faith, says the writer, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. The universe is staggering in its size and its glories. The nearest star in our very average galaxy, Alpha Centauri, is 25 million miles away. Our massive sun is just a mere speck in our galaxy. The huge star, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Betelgeuse, I think, is 27 million times larger than our sun. All of that, and yet our galaxy is only one of 100,000 million other galaxies. And I say all this because it is astonishing that God created man in His image, And His creation is so in-depth that it is beyond what we could even see, never mind even get to. We ought to look at our universe in amazement and praise God, the God that created this universe and everything in it. And He made me in His image. He desires a relationship with me 
As wretched as I am, He offers me salvation anyway through His Son? But not all praise God. Many deny Him outright. Many look at this world and just pay Him no mind. Maybe they'll admit that they believe that God exists or that a God exists, but it doesn't impact the way they live their lives. They never think about it. They don't let it get in the way of what they want to do. Or maybe they redefine God to fit into whatever box they like. And it's really easy for us to do that as people because it keeps us in control. And we like control. And so we define God, we define His commands, and ultimately we make ourselves the gods of our lives. I know that I have many people that I know and love that fit right there in that category. And I'm sure that you all do as well. But for the believer, it is all so clear. Psalm 33, 6 and verse 9 tell us, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We know that God simply spoke the universe into existence. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. For He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Moreover, He did it out of nothing. It wasn't like a magician. He didn't have a rabbit. He didn't have a hat. By faith in God's Word, we know for a certainty that every star was created by God. We didn't see this act of creation. We know it through faith. And we also know this by reason, because we know the world was created and created by an intelligent designer. Again, this this is faith going beyond, but not in contradiction to reason. Even in times when it seems that God expects a faith that contradicts reason, closer examination reveals that He does not. For example, it might might seem contrary to reason for God to expect Abraham to believe that Sarah's dead womb could bring forth a child, because that's not really a thing that happens on earth. But it is not unreasonable to believe that the God who created life and the womb could do this, and that He would do it according to His promise because He is a God who keeps His promises. But how do we trust God like that? Well, what's needed is a rebirth or perhaps a birth of Hebrews 11 faith, the kind that is characterized by a dynamic twofold certainty a future certainty that is so sure of what we hope for that it considers God's promises to be present, and a visual certainty that gives us the conviction of things not seen. This is certitude, full belief in what we believe, bounding hope. That faith brings us to serve the Lord in the way that brings commendation from Him, just like the people of old. And finally, the certainty of activism of faith is crowned with a dynamic understanding of God's creatorship. In the final two chapters of Hebrews, the author presents his readers with a stirring call to action, both to hold fast to their faith in Jesus and to live in a way that reflects that faith. 
It will not always be easy, but it will all be worth it on the last day. And so we ask, well, what is, what is the benefit of all of this? And certainly, it's the will to persevere. But it's also something else very important. The ability, by God's grace, to take the hand of the despairing and to lead them away from hopelessness and to a life of certitude and love and life and understanding and action. This morning, are you pleasing God by placing your faith in Jesus? Are you living each day in the joy and the power of gospel faith? Are you looking at all of life through the eyes of faith as we seek to serve Him on this earth? If so, let me encourage you to stay in the Word and to stay in fellowship with believers as we lift each other up and we point each other to Christ. Study the stories of these heroes of faith and let God's Word strengthen you to endure whatever life throws at you, because life is going to throw some stuff at you. And if your answer to those questions was no this morning, well then let today be the day of salvation. Put your faith in Christ today, who came from heaven, who took on flesh, who lived perfectly, He never sinned in thought, in word, or in deed. Who died on the cross for our sins, a physical death, and also took on the full wrath of God for our sins. He felt the full weight of our sin, even though He was perfect. Because when we turn from our sin and we trust in the risen Christ as our Savior, we are saved. And that future hope, that assurance that we talked about today, is a reality for all who trust in Christ. Right now the band is going to come up, and I'm going to pray. And as, we, as they do that, if you are here this morning and you have questions about the sermon, or you have prayer requests, or you're here and you want to talk about salvation, you want to talk about the faith that we talked about today, I would love to talk to you. I know Pastor Ben would love to talk to you. And if you'd like to talk to us, you can certainly find us after the service. I'll make my way over to the Meet the Pastor table. Or you can email or text us at connect at seafordbaptist.com. And also, if you're here this morning and maybe you're new and you would just like to get to know us better or to get better connected or learn more about us, Let me encourage you to fill out a Connect card. You can find that in your worship guide, and you can either put that in the Dropbox, you can bring that over to the connection table, but we would love to get to know you. We would 